All right, we'll say good morning. Let us begin by thanking our sponsors, to thank our Talmud Torah sponsors for the month of Elul, Avram and Shandy Kelman, for dedicating all the Shur Midrashos this month in memory of their parents. We hope that in the merit of our Talmud Torah, the Neshama Slav and Aliyah, and the family A Nechama. We thank our Dafyomi sponsors for today, Milt and Melanie Gertner. Oh, I'm sorry. That's for Milton Melanie Gertner, for Refur Shalema, for Shoshana Tova Bas Mindaleya. We hope that she, together with Kol Chola Yisrael, will have a complete and enduring Refua. Excellent. All right, so I'll say with that, let us begin. We have an incredible sugya. Good? Better? Better? Good. We have an incredible sugya, Mir Sashan, ahead of us today. And today we have the great Zuchos to begin the sugya of Esrug. So we'll see with that, let us begin. Today's daf is Lamed Hey 35. We are picking up at the Mishnah on Lamed Dalit Amud Bey's 34b. <coughs> the Mishnah says as follows. Esrog hagozel v'hayovish posel. If an esrog is stolen or dried out, it is posel. So shalah share again, we'll go, we'll go through each of these, we'll go through each of these things. In the Gemara, shall asher of shall irani dachos. Once again, if it's an esrog of an asher tree, avodazara irani dachos, a city which has been condemned because the residents have worshipped avodazara, puzzle. Such an esrog is puzzle. Shall arla puzzle. Remember again, arla refers to fruits that grow in the first three years. So the Torah Kedusha tells us that any fruits that grow in the first two years, one is not permitted to go ahead and get hanog, get benefit from it. Remember again, with vines, there's an additional concept of karem revai, but leaving that aside for now, if you use the esrig of Arla, ultimately again it is possible. Shal truma tmeya, possible. If you use an esrig of truma tmeya, so what's truma tmeya? Truma, which has become tummy. Remember again, truma is the tide separated out to be given to the coin. If for some reason that truma becomes tummy, so again, remember, you could have an esrig that was truma. That was truma. If the truma became tummy or tameya, then that esrig would be precluded from use. Again, we'll discuss in the Gemara why all of these things are usr. Actually, if you take a look at Rashi, Rashi says, actually, we're not, let, let's, let's see. The Gemara says, shal truma tahora, lo yito. What happens if you have an esrog of truma Torah? Supposed to just see, see how this works. I'm a farmer. I'm a farmer. I'm a Yisrael. I give truma. I happen to have an esrog grove. So I go ahead and give truma to the coin. Truma tahora. So the Mishnah says, ideally, lo yito. The coin should not use, or no one should use an esrog of truma tahora. Ve'im natal, but if you used it, kosher. Ultimately, again, you have fulfilled the mitzvah. We'll see in the Gemara why. Shel demai. What about an esrog of demai? So remember again, what's demai? Demai is produce which belongs to an am ha'aretz, which belongs to someone who's just simply unlearned. So remember again, there was a general concern in the eyes of Chazal that people who were am ha'aretz, people who were just unlearned, and individuals who were just, just ignorant, did not properly tithe. So in general, the halacha is that when you purchase produce from an amaaretz, you have to retithe that produce. So what about an esrig of demai? So Beishamai posts, and Beishamai says you can't use it, it's possible. Or Beisilo machshir, and Beisilo says it's kosher. Good. So I'll say, Another interesting case. What happens? Remember, what's Maiser Sheni? Maiser Sheni is the tithe that the Israel goes ahead and separates. But Halacha la he has to eat it in Yerushalayim. So it's yours to eat, 
but it must be consumed in Yerushalayim. So what about Meiser Sheni? So the Mishnah says, ideally, you would not use an esrog of Meiser Sheni. But if you took it, the Imnatal, kosher, it works. Fine. So we'll say, interestingly enough, the first part of the Mishnah is all about the esrog with different types of status. And so the Shaila is, depending on the status, can you be Yodzeh with the esrog? The last part of the Mishnah now speaks about disqualifications in the guf, in the body of the esrog itself. Also, chazazis al-rubo, if a chazazis appeared on the majority of the esrog. So take a look at Rashi for just a moment. Rashi says over here, also chazazis. Um, no, sorry. Oh yeah, chazazis. Come in. It's actually interesting how Rashi defines chazazis. Come in, abu ba'os dakos. What are Abu Ba'os? So we'll say Abu Ba'os are boils. Are boils, right? Abu Ba'os, Rashi uses this Lashen. Ultimately, again, by the Makas, right? Abu Ba'os, boils. So j- just in this thing, this is not really, I, I don't know why the, the mission, because boil makes it sound like, like a blister or something. So a chazazis, a chazazis, as we're going to see, means any type of growth on the asterisk itself. But often, the truth is, it does look like a boil. Everyone's seen this on a strogan because they're not uncommon, which it looks like just like a boil, like a little bit of an inflated part of the esrog on the side. A, a, not, not a bump, not a bump, but something a bit more pronounced. Okay, we'll, see, we'll discuss more in the Mishnah, in the Gemara, excuse me. So also, so also chazazis al, 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 I'm sorry, also chazazis al rubo. So case number one is what happens if you have this boil, and again, we'll define the parameters of this case. You have this boil on the majority of the esrog, al-rubo, or not la pit maso, or the pitum was removed. Pitum was removed. So remember again, we'll, we'll discuss this as well. Pitum removed when? Pitum removed how? Niklaf. Niklaf means the esrog was peeled. Now, again, peel doesn't literally mean that the entire esrog was peeled. It means that part of the peel came off. Nistok, the esrog was split. Again, we'll define the parameters of all of this. Nikave, it was perforated. Vichaser kolshu, or it's missing any part of it. Puzzle. Ultimately, again, all of these are disqualifications within the esrog itself. Also, chazazis anuyuto. What happens if a chazazis, a boil, is only on a small part of the esrogamiyat, or natal uktso, or the ukat was removed. Remember again, the ukat is the bottom. Remember, the esrog does not, is not attached to the tree by the pitum, right? When an esrog is growing, the pitum is actually facing down. The esrog is attached by its bottom to the tree. That bottom, there's like a stem-like protrusion on the bottom of the esrog, that's called the ukats. What happens if the okot was removed? Notal okzo, or nikab vodokas, or it was pierced, but it's not missing anything. So in other words, it was pierced, but there's not, no part of the esrog that is deficient. kosher. Ultimately, again, these esrogim will be kosher. Esrogakushi, now, Bose is interesting. What's an esrogakushi? Rashi says, Shebame eretz kush v'shacharhu. It comes from Kush's Ethiopia. It comes from Ethiopia and it's black. A black esrog is puzzle. Now we'll discuss why exactly a black esrog is puzzle and that's the way it grows in Ethiopia. We'll discuss this. Vayara Kikarsi, what about an esrog that is as green as a leek? 
Rabbi Meir Maksha Bihuda Pulsa. Rabbi Meir says it's kosher. Rabbi Huda says it's pulsa. Now both say now again we're going to discuss green esrogim as well because it is a riveting sugya about green esrogim. We already saw a little bit about this before. What's the concern with green? What's the general concern with green? Is right excellent. Is that does it represent a certain lack of immaturity? Right, that, that's, that's what we're concerned about. In other words, if you know you have a fully formed esrog that is green, we're going to see that's not really a machlokas. Now, whether or not that's the most hudder or not, that's a different discussion. But if you know for sure that this esrog has achieved its full growth potential, the fact that it's green will not be a disqualifying factor. The issue why the Gemara is bringing up Yorok Akarsi over here in a machlokas is a concern. Rabbi Meir says it's fine. Rabbi Huda says we have to be concerned that maybe it didn't reach full maturity. So I'm saying it's not as much a din in color as much as it's a din in what the color represents. Sheer esrog akaton, what's the smallest sheer? What's the smallest size of a kasher esrog? Rabbi Meir Omer Ke'egos, Rabbi Meir says the size of a nut. Rabbi Huda Omer Ke'beitz, Rabbi Huda says now it's gotta be at least the size of an egg. Ube Gadol, and I both say what's the ceiling, right? What's the upper limit? on the size of an esrog, Kadeshi Yochaz Shnayim Biyad Divra Bihuda. So Bihuda says the esrog could be no bigger. In other words, it has to, the biggest thing could be is that you could hold two esrogim in your hand at once. Excuse me. Sorry. So the Gemara says, Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Yossi says, Afilu Echod Bishtei Yod. Rabbi Yossi says the esrog could be so big that even if you need two hands to hold one esrog, Ultimately, again, that is still going to be kasher. But remember, again, we saw this machlokes earlier. What is this about? What's, what's driving this machlokes? So remember, again, the concern is, since sometimes you're going to have to go ahead and what? Switch around, right? Move, move stuff around in your hands. So ultimately, so ultimately, again, Rabbi Huda was concerned that if the asterisk is too big, you're going to inevitably end up dropping something and potentially invalidating something of your Dalit medium. Rabbi Huda, Rabbi Yossi, ultimately was not as concerned about that particular issue. Good. So I'll say this is the Mishnah. What's, what's really exciting, by the way, about the Suggis, I just want to point out, you know, if you notice, it's pretty much one Mishnah per Min. That's the way it works, right? Each one of the Dalit Minim, it's really beautiful. Each one of the Dalit Minim gets its own Mishnah, gets its own Mishnah. And Halacha Lamaisa, and that Mishnah contains pretty much all of the relevant Halachas to that particular Min. The Gemara, of course, then goes on to expound on this. But this is the Mishnah of Esrik. This is the Mishnah of Esrik. So anything and everything you want to know about Esrik is contained in this Mishnah. Beautiful. Says the Gemara, both at the top of Lamed Hay. Really beautiful Gemara. Tana Abonam. Preates Hadar. So I'll say, so the Pasuk says, when speaking about Esrig, says pre-Aids Hadar. I will say, I just want to point out something very interesting. You know, today, today, Gimel Elul is the yard site of Rav Avram Yitzchak HaKohen Kuk. And I saw something amazing last night. You know, everything is just incredible. Rav Kuk, amongst his many, many svarim, wrote, wrote a sefer called Oros HaTshuva. Oros HaTshuva. He wrote a number of called Oros, lights. Right? So Oros HaTshuva is about Tshuva. Is about Tshuva. You know, you can go to Rav Cook's house. Right? It's right off, it's right off Ben Yehuda. I know no one knows where that is in Yerushalayim. It's a small little pedestrian area where they have some coffee shops. Right? So, so you know, Rav Cook's house, Beit Harav, is, is right there. And I want to tell you something amazing. It's funny. I, I went there maybe for the first time, maybe five, six years ago, when I was there with, uh, when I took my family there. I'd never been there before. 
and they have some of Rav Cook's manuscripts on display. There's something absolutely amazing. When you look at Rav Cook's manuscripts, there are no erasures. They're not, normally, when you look at manuscripts, right, you see this, you, write, you see writing over here, a little erasure, some writing in the margins. In Rav Cook's manuscripts, original manuscripts, this is when he was writing down these ideas, it's just free-flowing. There's, there's, no, there's no erasure. So that summer I was staying, I was staying um, in, uh, in uh, not, not far from the German colony. And I dive in every morning in the same place as uh, Rabbi Weinreb. And uh, I asked him about this. And he said, he told me, he said, it's the most striking thing. He says, Rav Kook was meyuchad like this. That such clarity of thought, such clarity of thought, that literally, again, most of us, I have a thought, I write it down, and then I have to refine it, I have to refine it. Rav Kook had such clarity of thought that what came out of his mind and what went onto the paper was literally the finished product. It's absolutely amazing. So I just want to share with you something amazing on this hashkach and everything. In the introduction to Oros HaTshuva, listen, and then we have to get, we have to get back to the daf. In the introduction to Oros HaTshuva, listen to what Rav Kook says, listen to what he writes. This is the opening part of Oros HaTshuva. He says, he quotes a Medrash in Chazal, a Medrash in Kohelas Rabbah, B'sha'a she'bara HaKadosh Baruch Hu Adam HaRishon. When Hashem created Adam HaRishon, Natla v'achzira akal ilane gan Eden v'amrlo. HaKadosh Baruch Hu took Adam HaRishon for a tour amongst all of the trees of Gan Eden, and he said to him, Re'ei ma'asai kama no'im u'mishubachim him. See my creations, how beautiful, how magnificent they are. V'chomash she'barasi b'shvil chabarasi. And the Baruch Hu says to Adam, whatever I created, I created for you. Please, don't destroy my world. Please don't destroy my world. Takes him on a tour of all the trees of Gan Eden. I created this all for you. It's all yours. Please. Please. To pay heed, take care, don't destroy my word, my world. Because if you destroy the world, there's no one left to fix it. And also, I thought it's so amazing. See here, of cooking the introduction to Oros HaTshuva. Right, so the first thing that Chodesh Baruch Hu does to Adam HaRishon is takes him on a tour of the trees of Ganid. And I both say, what's today's daf? pre eights Hadar. Pre eight Hadar, right? And Rav Kook's yard site. So the first line of the daft pre eight Hadar. And perhaps, based on Rav Kook, that Pasik itself even has a different meaning. What does it mean pre eight Hadar? So actually, we're going to go through a three of Machlokas as to how to interpret the Pasik. But perhaps on a most basic, like, life level, what does the Kaddish Baruch Hu tell us? Take the pre eights, right? Take the fruits of the tree and make it Hadar. Do something beautiful with it. The pre eights represents the Gashmios, represents the materialism in life. See, the beauty of Judaism is that we are not an ascetic religion. We do not believe that the pathway to God is paved by swearing off everything physical and material. Fakir, just the opposite. What's the first thing that Chodesh Baruch Hu does with Adam when he comes into this world? He doesn't give him a Gemara. He doesn't say, here, learn the daf. Right? The first thing he goes ahead and he does with Adam Arishon is, let me show you the Gashmias. Let me show you the Gashmias. The Gashmias is here for you. It's here for you. But you have to do something meaningful with it. You have to do something purposeful with it. You have to use it to build the world, not to destroy the world. So what do we do? What do we do on Yom Tov of Sukkot, which is Yom Tov of the harvest season? We take the, we take the fruit, we take all these items, the pre-8s Hadar. And the Baruch Hu says, what's your job in life? Take the pre-8s, 
take the fruits of the tree, take the gashmios, take the beauty, t- take the bounty, and hadar, do something beautiful with it. If HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives us gashmios in life, whether we have a lot or we have a little, our divine mandate and our divine mission is to somehow use it to make the world a little bit better. An incredible Yusuf of Kutz Nisham Shnav and Aliyah and his Torah should continue to inspire us for many generations. Because with that, let us go by the Turn on Pre-Eitz Hadar. Eitz Shetam Eitz Upir Yoshava. So what's unique about the Esrug is the Esrug ultimately again is the tree where the tree and the fruit taste the same. Havi Omer Zeh Esrug. And this is the Esrug. This is the Esrug. So Pre-Eitz Hadar. So the Gemara is saying the drush over here is the pre and the eight are both hotter. The pre and the eights both taste the same. So the Gimara says, Ve'ima palpal, and Rechobos is very interesting because what that means is the Esrug tree is the only tree which wasn't impacted by the earth's decision to quote-unquote disobey HaKadosh Baruch Because remember again, like we saw, when HaKadosh Baruch created the fruit trees, he wanted it to be the fruit and the trees would taste the same. Rashi HaKadosh says, Va'aretz lo asasakein. The earth did not comply, but it appears that the Esrik tree did. Okay, different discussion. I have a palpalin. Palpalin we normally translate as peppers. Here, really, what it really means is peppercorns. So perhaps, again, it refers to peppercorns, because apparently, again, peppercorns also taste the same as the tree they grow on. Kedesanya, Rabbi Meir, Omer, Unitas, the Pasuk over here quoting um, by Arlo. Unitatem kol eats machal. Plant something for the first three years, you don't partake of it. So the Gemara says, So we'll say, obviously, if we're talking about a tree that produces fruit and you can't eat it for the first three years, we obviously know that it's an eitz machal. Why does the Torah have to identify the tree as a tree which produces food? Fr- food? Because the Torah is also making reference to the type of tree where the tree and the fruit both have the same taste. And I can say, what's the example of a tree which produces something where the item it produces, what we call the pre, and the tree taste the same? This refers to peppercorns. So that teaches me two things. Number one, that peppercorns are chayiv and arla. Chayav and Arla, interesting idea. Look at Rashi. Rashi says, Chayav and Ba'arla, Dilotima min Yeraku, Bevneshu eats Shafel Kimin Rosim Shino Gavaminars. Apparently, peppercorns grow on a very low tree. You might have thought that that tree really is much more like a bush. And therefore, again, maybe peppercorns are much more treated like vegetables than fruit. Kamashmala know that they're treated like fruit and therefore subject to Arla. Good, that's lesson number one. And lesson number two, this is very interesting. The Ain Eretz Yisrael Chaseira Klum. And ultimately, again, also to teach me that Eretz Yisrael lacks nothing. Eretz Yisrael lacks nothing. Shneemar lo sechsar kolba. Right? You will lack for nothing in Eretz Yisrael. I will say this is an interesting statement, right? You see, Eretz Yisrael lacks nothing because peppercorns. Because the peppercorns taste like peppercorns and the tree tastes like peppercorns. Ah, incredible. Mamish, it's a land. They should put that on the tourism uh, ministry website. You know, we have everything, including peppercorns that taste like trees, trees that taste like peppercorns. What, what, what's the pshat? What's the pshat? See, I will say, the beauty in Eretz Yisrael and the power of Eretz Yisrael is the ability to see the Ribbono Shal Olam manifest in every single detail, even the smallest details of life. 
The truth is, we should be able to see that everywhere. That's the job of a Jew, to see the presence of the Ribbono Shel Olam in anything and everything. But human nature is such that often we only see HaKadosh Baruch Hu in the big things in life, not in the little things. The power of Eretz Yisrael is that by definition, because Eretz Yisrael as a land is so reliant on HaKadosh Baruch Hu for everything, from, from, from rain to safety and security, there is no way for that land to exist without HaKadosh Baruch Hu. By definition, we're more in tune with seeing the little things there. So when you see a tree, and if that produces fruit, and the fruit tastes like the tree. So remember again, first of all, it's very reminiscent of Gan Eden, very reminiscent of Gan Eden, and also reminiscent, or, or really a manifestation, of the Hashkachas Habore. When you see those little things, especially in Eretz Yisrael, you realize, wow, this is a land that lacks nothing, because it is a land that is guided by the providence of the Ribbon Shalom. It's incredible. So the Gemara says, so why not peppercorns? May Priyetadar means peppercorns. Hasem Mishum I'll tell you why Priyetzadar can't mean peppercorns, because it's not possible. What are you going to do? Hechi Navid, Ninkot Chada, Lo Minkran Likichasa. You're going to take one peppercorn? Well, that's too small. They're tiny, right? You're not even, the, the, the act of taking it will not be recognizable. Ninkot Tre Otlasa, take two or three. Echad Amrachmano, Veloshnai Mashlosha. The Torah says, Pri Eitzhadar, which is singular. Which is singular, which means you're only supposed to take one, not three. Therefore, Hilchach Lo Therefore, again, the Gemara says, Pri Eitzhadar, even though the peppercorn might actually satisfy the criteria of being a Pri Eitzhadar, meaning a Pri that tastes the same as the tree, the tree tastes the same as the Pri, ultimately, again, you can't satisfy the nature of the peppercorn. Fine. So we'll say that's the first drasha, Pri Eitzhadar. Pri Eitzhadar means the type of Pri where the Pri and the tree share the same taste. Rabbi Omar Rabbi says, Atikri Hadar. Ella hadir, very interesting. Don't vocalize it as hadar, rather as a hadir. They will say hadir. Deer is what? Deer is a pen where you keep animals, right? A pen where you keep animals. Why, why, what is it? What does that do? Just like in a pen where you keep animals, you have small animals, big animals, complete animals, blemished animals. On the Esri tree, on the Esri tree, we'll say, what do you have? You've got all kinds of Esrogim. Big Esrogim, small Esrogim, blemish Esrogim, whole Esrogim. So the Gemara says, I don't understand. Look on an apple tree, you'll find the same thing. Big apples, small apples, blemished apples, whole apples. We'll say, this is what it means to say. We'll see, if you remember again, we spoke about this two days ago. One of the unique aspects of the Esrog tree, which we're going to discuss in just a moment, is Esrogim remain on the tree until when? Until when? Until they're picked off. Which means that you can have big Esrogim from this year, and you leave them on the tree, so that next year, when the new crop comes in, there are little new Esrogim, an old, bigger esrogim. No other tree has that. That's what it means when it says big, little, blemished, unblemished. Ultimately, again, everything living on the tree together from year to year. Chavosi, if you think about it also, such an incredible yisod. What does the esrog represent? The esrog represents the lave, represents the heart. The tree represents klalisa, the tree that the esrogim grow on. And to be part of klalisa, you have to accept the fact there are gidolim and there are ketanim. There are tamimim. There are baalimumin. What it means to be a Jew 
is to be able to get along and to forge relationships with all different kinds of people. What happens all too often in life is, I just want to be on a tree with a srogim who look like me, smell like me, develop like me. I don't want yellow. I don't want green. I just want everyone who's like me. And I will say this is the biggest problem in Jewish community in general, which is we do this in every way. We only want to go to shul with people who look like us, practice like us, believe like us. That's it. They got to be just like me, just like me. Well, every area of, of Jewish life becomes like this, so siloed, so siloed, and only wanting to be exactly with people who I can exactly identify with. Well, part of the beauty of Klal Yisrael is there's a lot of different esrogim on the tree, a lot of different esrogim. And do you know why Hakadosh Baruch Hu chose the esrog over every other fruit? Because it's the only fruit that can live on the tree with other esrogim that don't look like it. <laughs> that are bigger, that are smaller, that are blemished, that are whole. Because that's the beauty of being a Jew. It means being part of a nation. It's easy to be part of something when everyone's like you. That's not a chiddish. That's not an accomplishment. But to be part of a nation where the other esrogim don't look like you, don't smell like you, aren't the same color as you, right? are very different than you, and yet you still live on the same tree, you still are part of the same entity, that's an accomplishment. Rabbi Abao Amr, Rabbi Abao says, Al tikri hadar ela davar shedar bi'ilan mishon shalom. Both say this we spoke about beforehand, which kind of is similar to the previous Rasha as well. That what's pre eats hadar, it's a pre that lives on the same, on the tree from year to year. Ben Azayon, Ben says, Al tikri hadar ela idur. It's very interesting. Don't read it as hadar, rather read it as idur. What does idur mean? Shekim balash and yavani korin mayim idur. Very interesting. In Greek, the word for water is idur. Is idur. Ve'ezuhu shagadla ala mayim. What's an example of saying that grows by the water? Hevi omer ze esrug. That's esrug. Good. Both say, so all, all different drushas, all different drushas for pre eight hadin. I will say, it is interesting. You think to yourself, you see the slogan and you say to yourself, what, 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 what's the conclusion you come to? Right? Why don't you just say esrug? Right? Why don't you just say esrug? So let's say, so remember, the Maral discusses, Maral asks, he says, why didn't the Torah put Nakudos? Why don't we have Nakudos in the Torah? Right? For Bali Kriya, it would make life so much easier. By the way, we'd cut down on so much ambiguity and so many drushes. Is it vocalized like this? Just put Nakudos. The Maral says, Kalish Baruch Hu purposely did not want vowels. Because when you have vowels, you can only read the word one way. Kalish Baruch Hu wanted us to understand the Torah is multifaceted. And could be understood in so many different ways. Hakadosh Baruch Hu could have said Esrug. Of course, he could have said Esrug. Right? He could have also said Citron. He could have also put pictures in the Torah, which would have been even better. Right? Then you would have known exactly what he was talking about. Right? But at the end of the day, he wanted us to darshan. He wants us to understand because look how many lessons you glean. If we would have just said Esrug, Esrug just means Esrug. But now creates Hadar. Look at all these beautiful life lessons that I learned. Kaddish Baruch Hu gives us the opportunity to develop and learn at every turn. If, you, if he would just spoon feed us everything, there's no grappling. There's no deeper level of comprehension. The ambiguity is by design because it allows us to grow. The Gemara goes weiter. So, shall share, shall there any dachas pause? So you can't use an answer of an asher or any dachas. We did this already. Like we said before, since you have to burn you have to burn the possessions of an Irani Dachas, it's as if the Estrog lacks the requisite shear. 
Good. Shall Arla Pasal Abbas? This is very interesting. Why can't you use an Esrog of Arla? This is incredible. My Taimo. Pligi bar Abichia bar Abba Rabbi Asi. Abichia bar Abba Rabbi Asi disagreed. Chad Amar lefishein ba heterachila. The Chad Amar lefishein ba din mamon. Both say this is fascinating. The Machlokis is like this. Why can't you use an Esrog of Arla? So one opinion said because you're not allowed to eat it. And the Torah says, Ulekachtem lachem. The way we define lachem, how do you define lachem? So we define lachem as ownership. How is, what's the greatest manifestation of ownership? At least by a fruit. That what? You could eat it. Therefore, because you can't eat Arla, therefore by definition, it is lacking in lachem. The second opinion says, Lefisha'in badin mamon. It has no monetary value. Since it is Asr Bana, it's not Shabbat It's not even worth a penny. Again, both say, same idea. It's only considered to be Lachem yours if it has some type of financial value. But if it has no value, then it's not yours. So again, both are agreeing that the problem with the Esrog of Arla is that it doesn't satisfy the criteria of Lachem. The Machlokis is, is it not Lachem because I can't eat it? Or is it not Lachem because I can't really financially own it? So the Gemara says, Kasaka Daite, you would have thought, Man de boy heterachila, lo boy din mamin, Uman de boy din mamin, lo boy no boy heterachila. Now you both say, the assumption is when you see Machlokes that each side is mutually exclusive of the other. So the one who requires heterachila doesn't require din mamin. The one who requires din mamin doesn't require heterachila. Yet interestingly enough, Tanan shall truma tamea psula. You can't use an asterisk of truma tamea. So as I understand, if you hold that in order for an esrog to be lachem, you have to be able to eat it, I understand why you can't use an esrog of truma tamea. Why not? Why not? Can't eat truma tamea. But remember again, if you hold that lachem just means you have to have financial ownership, both say, can you have financial ownership over, over Truma Tamea? And the answer is yes. How is that manifest? If you're a Kohen and you have Truma Tamea, what can you do? You can use it for fuel to heat your fire underneath your food. So Truma Tamea doesn't have Hetra but does have Din Mamun, to which the Gemara says, you're right. Everyone agrees that in order to satisfy the criteria of Lachem, you have to technically be able to eat your Esrach. The interesting, right? In order to satisfy the criteria of Lachem, you have to be able to eat it. Keep pligis, where's the machlokas? Bedin mamun. Do, do you also have to possess financial ownership as well? Now, both sides, when we say possess financial ownership, what that means is, does the item, does the esrik have to be an item of value or not, which you could possess financially? One opinion holds, all you need is hetrachila, you don't need din mamun. Umar Savar Din Mamon Nami And the other opinion will say, no, you also need Din Mamon. So we'll say, this is really fascinating. So what comes out according to the Gemara over here is everyone agrees that in order to satisfy the criteria of Ulakachtam Lachem for it to be yours, in order for it to be yours, it has to be something you can eat. If you can't, if you are not allowed to take a bite out of it, then it does not belong to you. The Shaila is in addition to Hetra does it also have to have, do you also have to possess financial ownership? And in order to possess financial ownership, it has to have value, at least a Shabbat Pruta. So the question is, is that additional level of ownership, what we call again, Din Mamon, 
Is that required or not? That's the machlokas. So the Gemara says, Ika benayu, what's the good nafkamino? So the Gemara says, My benayu, Ika benayu, Maisu shini should be Yerushalayim. It's very interesting, I'll leave it to Rabbi Meir. The nafkamino would be the following case. Maisu shini in Yerushalayim according to Rabbi Meir. Now, both we're going to see in just a moment that remember, Maisu shini is yours to eat. You just have to eat it where? In Yerushalayim. Now, Rabbi Meir holds, according to Rabbi Meir, Maisu shini in Yerushalayim is mamon gavo. We'll see this machlokas in just a moment. He holds, Maestro Shani does belong to you. Maestro Shani is hectish. The fact that you're allowed to eat it, right, is no different. The Kohen is also permitted to eat Kabanos. Yet again, it still has a sacrificial identity. So Maestro Shani, Rabbi Meir holds, is Mamon Gavoa. Belongs to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So watch this. If you hold it, all you need for the Esrog to be yours is the ability to eat it. So again, Maeser Shani in Yerushalayim, even according to Rabbi Meir, is usable. Why? Why? You could eat it. However, the Mandarin of Yisheimba did mamun, Maeser Shani mamun gavohu. But according to the opinion who holds that Hetra is not enough, it also what? You have to have financial ownership. Well, according to Rabbi Meir, you could not use an esrog of Maeser Shani because according to Rabbi Meir, even an esrog of Maeser Shani in Yerushalayim does not belong to you. It is still considered to be Mamon Gavoah. It would appear to be that it's Rabbi Asi who holds that in addition to Tetra you also need Din Mamon. So because Rabbi Asi, Rabbi Asi said as follows, an esrog of Maeser Shani, that you're using in Yerushalayim, according to Rabbi Meir, a person cannot discharge his obligation. Because according to Rabbi Meir, even though you could eat it, you don't own it. But according to the Chachamim, you can go ahead and use an Esrog of Maeser Shani. Why? Because according to the Chachamim, Maeser Shani is Mamon Hedyot. It belongs to you. It belongs to you. You just have to go ahead and eat it in Yerushalayim. Tistayim. So we'll say, so this is the fundamental machlokis. It's a really riveting machlokis if you think about it. Everyone agrees we need lachem. And everyone is agreeing that lachem means, the, the ikr of lachem is hetra That you could technically eat this esrog if you wanted to. The shayla, the machlokis is, in addition to hetra do you also need din mamon? Do you also need financial ownership over the esrog. Good, let's go back to Gufa. Am Rabbi Asi, esrog shal ma'isr sheni l'divrei Rabbi Meir, e'n adam yotzei yedei chavah sabiyamtav, l'divrei chachamim, adam yotzei yedei chavah sabiyamtav. So I'll say this is really fascinating. So now, we're just restating this. Rabbi Asi says, you know, ma'isr sheni, in Yerushalayim, according to Rabbi Meir, you could not use an esrog of ma'isr sheni for, for your mitzvah. Why not? Why not? Because according to Rabbi Meir, or I should say according to Rabbi Asi's understanding of Rabbi Meir, as it's not enough to be able to eat the esrog, you have to have financial ownership. And Rabbi Meir holds that Maeser Shini is Mamon Gavoa. It belongs to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, not to you. The Chachamim, on the other hand, disagree. The Chachamim say, no, Maeser Shini is Mamon Hedyot. It belongs to you. It belongs to you. And therefore, you could use an esrog of Maeser Shini in Yerushalayim on, on Yom Tiv. But let's say furthermore, listen to this. This is pretty wild. The Gemara says, Matzah Shal Maeser Shini. What about if you made Matzah of Maeser Shini? According to Rabbi Meir, you could not fulfill your mitzvah de oraisa of matzah on the first night of Pesach with matzah of Maeser Sheni. We'll see what that is. According to the Chachamim, you can fulfill your mitzvah of matzah with matzah of Maeser Sheni. What about a dough 
of Meiser Shemi, the Diver Rabbi Meir Peturim in Achala. According to Bimir, ultimately it's Pater from Chalo, which is the portion to the Kohen. According to the Chachomim, ultimately again, it is Chayiv and Chalo. Let's analyze this. So, three cases, right? Esrig, Matzah, Chalo. In all of these cases, Rabbi Meir is saying, Maestro Shani doesn't belong to you. Because Maestro Shani doesn't belong to you, you don't have financial ownership, therefore you can't use it for Esrig. Right? You can't use it for matzah, and it's not going to be chayiv and chalo. The chacham disagree on all three counts. Let's analyze this. So, maskevara papa. Bishlama isel ksiv reishes ariso seichem. Esrognamik siv lochem mishalochem. I understand Rabbi Meir Shita by chala and by esrog. Because by chala, both say, what's the mitzvah? What's the mitzvah? To separate chala from what? From what? From your dough. From your dough. Your dough means what? Your dough means what? You own the dough. Rabbi Meir says, you don't own Meisr Shani. So I understand why I can't separate Achala from Dov Meisr Shani. I also understand why I can't use an Esrik of Meisr Shani. Why not? What does the Torah say? It has to be yours. And the Esrik of Meisr Shani is not yours. So I understand Rabbi Meir Shit in those cases. But Matzah, who says you have to own your Matzah? Right? Mehechet said there's a din of financial ownership by your Matzah. Rabbi Meir has an interesting Gzair Shava of Lechem Lechem. Ksif Hach, it says over here by Matzah, Lechem Oni, the bread of affliction. Uksif Hasam Amad Beis, Vaya Baach Lechem Mi Lechem Haaretz. The Pasik says, it also by, 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 um, by Chalo, it'll be when you go and eat from the bread of the land. Just like by Chalo, it has to be your dough, not a dough of Meiser Sheni. Very interesting, right? Mayor will say so too, but this Gzir Shava, from Matzah to Meiser Sheni, from Matzah to Chalo, interesting, right? Interesting, uh, interesting uh, Gzir Shava, right? From Matzah to Chalo, ultimately teaching you that just like Chalo, you only take Chalo from a dough that's yours, so to Matzah, you can only fulfill the matzah with matzah that belongs to you in a financial capacity. So I will say, Lema let's bring a support to this. Isa, Shal Meiser Shani, Remeir says that a dough, a Meiser Shani dough is part of from challah, because you're only obligated to take challah from dough which belongs to you, not which belongs to Gavod. Remeir, Vecham Necham say no, Chayav is Pechallah, Tzchayv in challah, Lema Meseyele, so say that this supports what we said before, so what do you mean? It supports. He, he. It's the same thing. You're, you're just restating what we just said exactly before. Ella pligi, nami pligi. Rather, what we're saying is like this. The same way, the same way that they disagree over here in this case of Chala, they'll also disagree in the other aforementioned cases as well. O Dilma, shiny or maybe not. Maybe the Machlokis is only by Chalo, because the Torah says, Arisosechem, your dough, your dough twice, which seems to indicate a heightened level of ownership necessary in order to separate out Chalo. So we'll say, bottom line, bottom line, this Machlokis, there is a Yisodistic Machlokis, Rabbi Meir and the Chachamim, about Maeser Sheni. That's what's driving all of this. Is Maeser Sheni, does Maeser Sheni belong to you, you the Yisrael, or not? Rabbi Meir says, no, it does not belong to you. It belongs to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. You can eat it. You're allowed to eat it in Yerushalayim, but it does not belong to you. The Chum say, no, it does belong to me. Nafkamina, three areas, right? Nafkamina, number one, can you use Esrik of Maeser Sheni? Rabbi Meir will say, no. Chachamim say, yes. 
Number two, can you use matzav meiser sheni? Rabbi Meir says, no, chachamim say yes. And number three, do you have to separate Adchalah from a dough of Meiser Sheni? Rabbi Meir says, no, chachamim say yes. Because Rabbi Meir will say, in Esrig, Chalah, and Matzah, you need to have ownership. Now, that point could be contested, especially in Matzah, but Lamaisa therefore says you can't use Meiser Sheni. So how do we paskin? We paskin like the Rabban paskin like the Chachamim, namely, that Allah Lamaisa, Meiser Sheni is considered to be yours. Considered to be yours. It is your property. It is your possession. But again, there's a caveat. There's a limitation on how you could consume it, which is in your shrine, but it's not mamon gavo, which means that if you used an esrog of maeser sheni, you're yodse. Now we're going to see, we don't want you to use an esrog of maeser sheni for a different reason, but technically speaking, it is yours. It is yours. And it can be used. Just keep in mind the other existing machlokas, which is how, how do we define shalachem? Is shalachem just, everyone will agree that what do you need for shalachem? What do you need? Hetra right? Ownership, which is manifest in hetra The shayla is, in addition to that, do you need din mamon or not? That's going to be an ongoing machlokas. Let's go weiter. Says the Gemara, shal truma you can't use an esrit of Chuma Tamea. Now we understand why not Rabosai? The less Pehetrachila, because you can't eat it. And remember, right now where we're holding in the Gemara is everyone agrees that the most basic manifestation of Lachem ownership is the ability to eat your Esrig. If you can't eat it, you don't own it. So therefore, because Chuma Tamea cannot be consumed under any circumstance, no Hetrachila, no ownership, can't use it. This is very interesting. You should not take an esrog. Fine. What about truma Torah? Now, both say, based on this, should you be able to use an esrog of truma Tahora? What would you say? If you're a coin, right? If you're a coin, right? It depends. If you're a coin, there's a heterachila, so you should be permitted to go ahead and use it. So, pligi barabiyan rabiyasi. But yeah, you're not allowed to. The Mishnah say you're not allowed to use it. Why not? This is fascinating. So, pligi barabiyan rabiyasi. Chad amram neishu machshira. Well, say, listen to this. Rashi says something absolutely amazing. We're going to see this on Daphne and Beis. But say, it used to be that when they would finish with the Lulav and Esrogim, when you would finish with the Lulav and Esrogim on Yom Tif Day, what would you do? You would put it in a vase of water. They would put it in a vase of water. That's what they would do. Which, which beautiful. Again, we'll discuss this because there are other halachic implications of that as well. What's the problem? An Esrog is Ochel. What happens when Ochel comes in contact with one of the seven liquids? It's Hoksha Lakabal Tumah. If you're using an esrog of Truma, what you've just done is you've made it Hoksha Lakabal Tumah, which means that you've potentially set up a situation of making Truma Tumea. That's a major no-no. We have an obligation to safeguard the sanctity of Truma. And therefore, again, the Mishnah Gimara says over here, don't, we don't use Truma Torah. Even though technically speaking, it satisfies the edibility, the edibility threshold, or it passes the edibility threshold, because they would always put their love and in water, you're making it hukshah the kabotumah. The chadar mipnev shemafsida. The other opinion said as follows: that what happens, you're going to cause the chuma to be diminished. Because what happens over the course of yamtiv? What happens over the course of yamtiv? You know, your hands are are constantly on the esrog, so sometimes it could cause the peel to become diminished, the fruit itself to become diminished, or it could become the cause the fruit to become a bit dirtier. Rashi's machshah becomes. Blacker, so you're causing the diminution of truma. 
which is also prohibited. The Torah says in these situations, there's a mitzvah of mishmeres trumasi. You're supposed to take care of truma. So the Gemara says, Mabe now. So okay, so everyone will agree you can't do this in answer of truma tahora. Either because A, you're making it hochshel kabel tumah, or B, you're actively diminishing it. My ben Arab will say, what's the, what's the machlok? And what's the nafkamim? The practical difference is very interesting. Kigon, shekara ala hashem chutz mikli pasachitzona. The interesting nafkamina would be a case of where you go ahead and designate it as truma, except for the outer, the outer peel. Now, as I will say, it's very interesting. Technically speaking, you could designate a fruit of truma, the interior of the fruit of truma, without designating the outer peel. Esrik actually happens to have a very thick outer peel. So let's listen to this. Let's say you designated the fruit, but not the outer peel. So if it's a din, if it's a din of making hochshel kabel tuma, it could still receive tuma. But if it's a din of mafsida, causing diminution to truma, the outer peel is not truma, would not really be a problem. Very interesting, nafkamina. Good. So the mandarim here, the mandarim there, shemach shira ika. If you all the concern is that you're making hukshal kabal tuma, that concern still applies. The mandarim there, shemach sida, but according to the opinion who says that over the course of yamtiv, you're going to go ahead and cause a loss or cause the fruit to be diminished, leka. That does not really apply over here in this particular case. Good. Vim natal kshura. So even though you should not take an esrog of truma. Rabbi will say, again, truma tahora, even though, again, it's edible for one of two reasons. Either because you're making hukshal kabal tuma, or you're going to diminish the pre over the course of yam. If you did take it, it's kasher. If you took it, it's kasher. So the Gemara says, why? I'll tell you why. Bidiyavid is kasher. Why? Because, remember, it has hetrachila. It has hetrachila. You can eat it. And the mandarm lefisha'in ba din mamon, harayesh ba din mamon. Because we'll say, Remember, it has that ability, and does it have, do you have financial ownership over that asset? Do you have financial ownership? Yeah. If you're a coin, absolutely, yes, right? By the way, I will say, technically speaking, even if you're Yisrael, there is some level of financial ownership that a Yisrael has over Truma. What's the level of financial ownership? What we call Tovas Hana. Tovas Hana says, you have the ability to give it to the coin, whichever coin you want, right? I was supposed to say, coin comes to my door, it says, give me the truma you have in your, you have in your silo. I'm a coin, you're a Yisrael, give me your truma. I could say, no, I'm not giving you my truma. I'm going to give it to a coin, but I have the right to choose which coin I want to give it to, which, which is, is very important because, you know, Amir Tzashem, Meheira Yibana HaMikdash, Amir Tzashem, Meshach is going to be here very soon. You're going to have a base HaMikdash. For those of us like myself who are, you know, who come from large Kohanic families, but happen to be the one branch of the family, which is the black sheep, the Israel black sheep, right? The ability to go ahead and give your truma to whoever you want is very big because you can give it to your relatives, right? You can give it to your friends. You have the right to choose. Okay, not even. So therefore, I don't go ahead and use an esrog of truma tahora. Again, either because you're machshut the kabel or because mafsidi you cause a, a loss to it over the use of yamtiv. But but if you used it, it works because again, it does have hatrachila and it does have din mamun. Beautiful. V'shel demai. Right? What happens if you use an esrog of demai? This is machlokis yeshav beisilo. My time the beisilo. What's beisilo's logic? Kevandi by mafkir lehulin rechasei v'have ani. This is great. We'll say, an ani, a pauper, is permitted to eat demai without retiding it. So Basilel says, do you know why you could use an esrog of demai? Because technically speaking, any person could become a pauper at any moment. Now we'll say, that's a general musr in life about how we, re- how we relate 
to our wealth, that sometimes our wealth gives us a certain sense of bloated confidence and arrogance. But it is important to know the world is filled with people who have it one moment and lose it all in the next. So Hillel says, literally, you could come become an instantaneous honey. Now, how can you become an instantaneous pauper? So he says, this is a bit contrived. What can you do? Be mafkir, right? Be mafkir all of your possessions. I hereby declare all of my possessions ownerless. Boom, you're an instantaneous honey. So if you're an instantaneous honey, bad news is, bad news is, you have nothing. The good news is, what do you have? It's mine. Right. We did pick up something. There's, always, there's a silver lining in everything. Right now, you get to eat demai. So Hillel says, since you can make yourself into an instantaneous ani and partake of demai, therefore, it, sat- it does satisfy the lachem criteria. This You can go ahead and give. Our Rashi says over here are troops. Right, soldiers that are stationed in your home, you can go ahead and feed them demai as well. Bishamai ani lo achil demai. Bishamai holds that an ani is not permitted to partake of demai. Disnan ein machilin asaniim demai v'asach sanyim demai. V'amr avuna tana bishamai omrim ein machilin asaniim v'asach sanoim demai u'besula omrim machilin asaniim demai v'asach sanoim demai. So both say salach alamaisa. That's the machlokes. The machlokes is does demai satisfy the lachem criteria? Basilo says yes. Because at any moment you can make yourself into an ani, because you could technically make yourself into an ani, you satisfy the demai criteria, and therefore Allah Khalamai says you are permitted to go ahead and use an esrog of demai. Beishamai says, no, aniim can't eat demai. Therefore, under any circumstances, that esrog is not yours, and therefore you cannot use it. We'll say one more line, then we'll have to stop. What about my sushini to do shalayim? So we'll say we saw this already. So the man da Omar, machshira, so both say Meister Shani the Gemara wants to suggest is the same issue as as Truma. According to the opinion who says the problem is now because you put it in water, we don't want you to use an Ezrak of Meister Shani because you will make it Hukshir Lakabal Tuma. And according to the opinion, it says we don't want you using it. Why? Because again, over the course of Yontav, you're going to go ahead and handle it. You're going to end up diminishing, actually diminishing the Maxusheni, and therefore we would prefer that you not use it over the course of Yontav. Also, we'll stop over here for today. Emir Tashem, pick up with the rest. Again, fascinating sugya. We'll continue to go through the halakhas of Esrug. We continue tomorrow. We'll say shkoyah.